All right, so today we're going to be talking uh, about biblical repentance, uh, going out of my favorite psalm, which is Psalm 51. Uh, For anybody that might not know it, I have uh, some context here for us today. Uh, So what is the book of Psalms? Well, it's a book of uh, Hebrew poems. It's written by uh, a couple different people. We have people ranging from kings to prophets uh, and a few others, but mainly Uh, The Psalms were written by uh, King David as prayers to the Lord, going anywhere from exuberant joy in his salvation and in his God to even times of suffering and depression, uh, enemies encroaching on him, or even, you know, just other things in his relationship uh, with his God. And so, what kind of psalm is Psalm 51? Uh, It's a penitential psalm. It's a psalm that David is writing as a prayer, asking for, uh, or trying to repent before the Lord. And so, uh, just to give us a little bit of context so we can understand what Psalm 51 is about, uh, well, uh, the short version of the story is that instead of being out on the battlefield with his troops, King David decided he was going to stay home in his palace. And uh, while he was there, he was hanging out on the balcony and looking, uh, uh, you know, out, out of his balcony, he saw this woman bathing Bathsheba. And he ordered for her to be brought up to the palace and he committed adultery with her. Um, and it turns out that she was uh, actually married to this guy named Uriah. Uh, and as if that wasn't bad enough, this is a guy who was out on the battlefield fighting for King David. And as if that wasn't bad enough, <laughs> this guy had an undying loyalty uh, to the God of the Israelites and even to King David. Um, and so when that happened, David, instead of coming clean, instead of confessing his sins to his God, instead of telling Uriah, instead of making some kind of proclamation, he decides, hey, you know what? I'm the king. I can probably get away with this. And so he, he gets Uriah uh, sent back home from the battlefield to, spend, to try to make him stay a few days uh, w- uh, at home with his wife. Uriah is so loyal and he cares so much about the troops that he doesn't even want to go home to his wife because he's like, how can I do that when they're out fighting? Uh, and so uh, con- constantly just, just uh, messing up David's uh, scheme that he has. Well, David still uh, continues trying to send them home, eventually sends them to the battlefield and just uh, gives orders for everyone to move forward with him in the front and just retreat so he would die. And so being guilty of bloodshed, uh, now that Bathsheba doesn't have a husband, David marries her and he thinks, we're in the clear. No one's going to ever figure this out. Uh, But it turns out that there's no fooling God. (laughs) And so God sends uh, his prophet Nathan to go talk to David, and he calls him out on everything that he had done, and David breaks down and repents. And so this is David's kind of like official prayer of repentance before God. And so kind of what we're going to be talking about today, the core truth of today, is that true biblical repentance is achieved by being of one mind with God, uh, a.k.a. by agreeing with God. Uh, I feel like oftentimes we talk about repentance and we focus more on the action. We focus more on, like, I'm going to begin doing good things. And a lot of the time we kind of miss the whole point of true biblical repentance. And so it's important that we understand what true repentance is, lest we think that we're actually repenting when in reality we're not. Um... And so with that, the questions that I have uh, for us to uh, think about today is, do you find yourself repenting from your sin in the way that God wants you to, as we're going to talk about today? And is your heart posture toward God the same as King David's in this psalm? Uh, Because I'm going to mention it a little bit later as well, uh, but King David is actually known throughout Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And I think uh, Psalm 51 is is a clear uh, explanation as to why. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, which say this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Uh, And we'll pause right there. So, the first truth we're going to talk about is that true biblical repentance requires that we agree with God, first and foremost, about our sin. And so, in order to kind of uh, uh, explain what, what David is doing here, because uh, to our 21st century ears, you kind of just hear, it sounds like he's just saying, well, forgive me for my sins. But he actually uses three different words. So he says, he asks for forgiveness for his transgressions, he asks for forgiveness uh, for his iniquity, and then forgiveness for his sin. And so while that may be lost on our ears, it certainly wasn't to David, it wasn't to God, and it wasn't to the people reading uh, this psalm. And so I'm going to explain what each of those words mean. And so... The first, first word that we have is transgression. Uh, in, he, in Hebrew, uh, I could mess up with the, the pronunciation, but it's uh, uh, written pesha. And what it means is the betrayal of our relationship. And even more than that, it's not just betraying any relationship. It's betraying our relationship with someone who should be capable of trusting you. And so what David is telling God here is he's saying, God, I betrayed you. I betrayed a relationship that is better than any other relationship, more meaningful to me than any other relationship. I betrayed my relationship with you. As your son, as your, as your child, you should be able uh, uh, to trust that I want to glorify you, that I want to do what is right in your eyes, and yet I have betrayed you. And so, not only does he say, uh, not only does he ask forgiveness for betraying uh, this relationship with his God, but then he also asks to be cleansed of his iniquity. And so iniquity, the word in Hebrew meaning avon, means to be bent or to be made crooked. Uh, for example, in Lamentations chapter 3, a road that isn't straight is avah meaning completely crooked. And so a person that morally fails does so because they have avad their conscience. We have completely cro- we made our conscience and our hearts completely crooked. And so why does that matter? Well, David is telling him, not only did I betray my relationship with you, but I betrayed my relationship with you because I allowed my heart and my mind and my conscience to be crooked instead of being straight in your paths. And how often do we do that, right? How often do we, instead of looking at our God and out of thankfulness, wanting to glorify Him, wanting to actually obey him in the way that he deserves, quite frankly, not even the, you know, it's not like we're doing him a favor, and instead we continuously make our own minds and our own hearts crooked, they're bent beyond belief. And in fact, according to David, they're so bent that he even says that he was brought forth in iniquity in his, in his mother's womb. So David's not even saying like, hey, I'm generally a good guy, or like, hey, you know what, I, I've made a few mistakes, but I'm not as worse as this, I'm not as bad as this guy. No, David's saying from the very moment I was born, my heart and my mind were avad. They were completely crooked. And then uh, he ties in, and this is the one that he uses the most, uh, which is, uh, uh, or not iniquity, as a typo, but it's a kata uh, for sin. And so uh, generally what kata means uh, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, the original uh, definition isn't even particularly religious. It just means to miss a goal, to miss a mark. So if an archer were to pull out uh, an arrow and shoot and completely misses the target, he has katahed that target. And so what is David saying? Well, he's saying that he's completely missed God's goal of perfection. Right? From the very moment he was born, he wasn't perfect. From the very moment that uh, he even came into existence, he had already missed the mark. He already missed the mark because God's mark is perfect. And so why are we going over these, right? These seem kind of like uh, these old words, and we're talking about Hebrew. Well, the reason why we're going into it is because oftentimes, and I find myself doing that as well, we often go to God, and our attitude is kind of ambivalent, right? Our attitude's kind of like, yeah, God, you know what? Oh, yeah, I, I forgot I did that. My bad. I'm sorry. And that's not really 
giving the Almighty God the respect that we should be giving Him. And honestly, it's almost like we're missing the point. Right? Because the whole point of repentance, what, what, should bring you to, what should bring you to repentance is the knowledge that you have sinned against a holy God. It's the knowledge that you have broken that relationship before your God. It's the knowledge that you, out of your own free will, decided to make your conscience and your mind crooked before Him. It should be, ultimately, you should come to repentance because of the knowledge that you have that you have missed the mark. But how often do we not go to our God in repentance because we think, oh yeah, you know what, I may have missed the mark, but I'll make it next time. Right? When we talk about uh, uh, the story of the rich young ruler, when he comes to Christ and he's like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, and he's told to keep the commandments, and he's like, all these I have done from my youth. Right? And to us, that seems ridiculous. <laughs> but to him, that's probably what was going through his mind. That sure, I've, I've, I've katahed here and there, I've missed the target, but ultimately, I think I'm okay. And I think it's oftentimes because we have a completely just inappropriate understanding of what sin is. We think sometimes that our sin is just a little mistake that we make, it's a little uh, rock that we trip on, on, the, on, on our righteous way of, of living. We don't realize that by sinning in all these different ways, by sinning, it's not just a little mistake. It's not just this little thing that you're doing. It's really heinous what you're doing to your God. And I feel that oftentimes, uh, it's kind of crazy to me. I don't know about you guys, uh, if you've ever had the opportunity to uh, disciple somebody that is new to the faith. And it's almost like their conviction and the way they approach God is, is often like awe-inspiring. Like, it, 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 it oftentimes reminds me, like, man, like, what am I doing? <laughs> right? Like, I've, there, how, how have I, uh, you know, become ambivalent before my God? And sometimes as Christians, we don't like to think about that. We just like to think about, like, okay, well, I've given my life to Christ. I know I'm forgiven. But we don't realize that we need to continually come to him and continue asking for forgiveness, continue uh, really just coming with a humble heart posture, which is what David has here. And that goes beyond just an understanding of sin. Uh, So I'm going to read for us uh, our next uh, couple of verses from uh, verse 7 to 12. Uh, He says this. He says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And so, once we understand that we're evil, once we understand what our sin is, in order to come to true biblical repentance, in order to agree with God fully, we need to be able to agree with Him about who He is. And so, oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, and God has all kinds of characteristics. If we go through the Bible, there's countless names that God has uh, for all the different characteristics that He has and the different ways that He comes through for us in different situations. Uh, but we're going to be focusing on a, uh, on a couple of uh, uh, God's core uh, characteristics that, da- that David is, is appealing to here. So, notice here, when David speaks, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God. And he doesn't say, Because of all my works that I have done for you. David doesn't say, Have mercy upon me, O God, because I go out of my way to try to please you. He doesn't say, Have mercy upon me, O God, for all the psalms that I have written. He doesn't say, Have mercy upon me, O God, because I want to build a temple for you. David doesn't appeal, not even once, to anything good that he has done. He doesn't appeal to any redeeming quality that he has in himself. He doesn't, he doesn't even, in his entire psalm, basically say that he has anything to offer God that would warrant this forgiveness. Instead, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. And so I feel like a lot of the time 
we also get confused. And it's easy, uh, especially when, 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 when we're lost. But even at some point, it's, it's almost easy to do as believers as well, which is, we almost, it's almost like we forget our first love. We forget how wicked we actually are. After spending so much time hanging out with other people that are godly, other people that also believe in our God, other people that uplift us, it's almost that we forget that every single one of us is irredeemably crooked on our own. And so what we uh, need to realize, which David realized here, because the very fact that he's asking God for forgiveness for all these sins that he committed, he's admitting that God alone is perfectly righteous. If God wasn't perfectly righteous, David wouldn't have to ask for repent. He wouldn't have to ask for forgiveness. He wouldn't have to repent. But David also understands that God is perfectly loving. Otherwise, he wouldn't be asking him for mercy. He wouldn't be talking about God's loving kindness. He wouldn't be talking about how good as God is, right? He wouldn't be saying, like he says right here, uh, hide your face from my, from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. If God wasn't perfectly loving and he wasn't perfectly righteous, if he wasn't righteous, he wouldn't be capable of dealing out fair judgment. He wouldn't be capable of forgiving David's sins. And if he wasn't perfectly loving, then he wouldn't be willing to forgive David's sins. He wouldn't be willing to create in him a clean heart. And I praise God that he is righteous and he is loving. But it's important because oftentimes, even if we have a correct image of who we are, even if we understand sin and we say, yes, I'm a horrible person, and yes, I know that uh, my sin is egregious and and it's horrible before uh, uh, a good God, sometimes we like to latch on to only one and a single one of God's characteristics. Sometimes we like to say, oh, well, my God is perfectly loving. So there's no way that he would have me stop my sin. My God is so loving, there's no way he would change anything about me, right? I mean, I've accepted myself, right? I know I'm this way. Why would he not, right? He's, he's loving. And, how, I, and oftentimes I hear this from people, and I'm kind of like, man, you're, you're, you're really missing the point of what's happening here. And oftentimes what we don't realize is that in believing that we're going after uh, the, God, uh, the God of the Bible, in reality, we're not, men after God, we're not men and women after God's own heart. We're being men and women after our own heart. And we start making up these false gods. We make a God that's only loving, a God that won't care regardless of what you do. Oftentimes, we make a God that's only righteous, right? But funnily enough, he's only righteous toward other people, not to us, right? We make up a God that we say, you know what? I can't wait for this righteous God to rain hellfire on my enemies. And I can't wait for him to judge all these horrible sinners that are around me. And we forget that if God was only righteous, we'd be going to hell too. If God was only righteous, that exact same hellfire that we wish on our enemies would be coming our way. And so it's important if we're actually going to agree with God and in order to be able to repent that we agree with God not just on sin, but that we agree with him on who he is and on his characteristics. And so uh, with that, we're also going to look then at what happens once we actually repent correctly. And so Psalms 51 uh, verses 13 through 19 say the following. It says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then they shall offer bulls on your altar. And so what does this tell us? This tells us that true biblical repentance will produce fruit in our life. 
And so uh, uh, I love the way Aaron says that every single time. Uh, oftentimes we get it backwards. Often we think that if we have fruit, then God will take that fruit and in exchange give us salvation. Right? We think sometimes that just because, oh yeah, well, I, I go to church, and oh, you know what, well, yeah, I mean, I, I help out people when they're down, and you know, I, I do my best to be there for people, and I give money to the poor, and we think that just because by our own standard we're righteous, we can almost offer that up to God and be like, God, just take this, like my bad for everything else. And that's not how that works. What David is describing here is he's saying, and notice he says specifically, uh, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. Keep in mind, this isn't just any person talking, this is the king. Right? If, if all that God wanted was a sacrifice, then David could have like a million oxen and a million uh, uh, cattle. He could have anything that he wanted, and yet he understands that that's not at all what God desires. And yet oftentimes we get caught up. We keep saying, oh God, yeah, I'll come to you uh, after I build up the walls of Jerusalem. And God, I'll, I'll come up to you once I've done my sacrifices. And God, I'll come to you for forgiveness uh, you know, once I've taught transgressors your ways. And we kind of get it completely backward. Because what God is saying is, hey, guess what? All of this is absolutely meaningless. If you don't understand your sin, if you don't understand who I am, and if you don't understand who you are in front of me. And so, uh, even when we understand who God is, even when we understand that we're sinful, it's really easy to get confused and think that we can just work our way to heaven. It's really easy to be confused and just think, if I'm a good enough person, then maybe, uh, you know, all those works will open the pearly gates for me. (laughs) And I'll be able to come through. And that's not at all what David is saying. Now also keep in mind, uh, oftentimes we don't do it from a selfish heart. Right? There are times where we think, man, I've been struggling with this sin for so long. Uh, you know, I can't believe I failed my God again. And even though we start with good intentions, we go down the wrong path of, I'm going to clean myself up before I come to God. I can't believe I failed my God again, so I'm going to make up for it before I show myself before him. And once again, that's missing the whole point. I love the way that my uh, uh, old Sunday school teacher would put it. Uh, he said that, uh, uh, you know, when people talk about that, uh, it's as ridiculous as the, as the idea of saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go shower, but i got to clean myself off first. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's completely missing the point of what the shower is. And so oftentimes we say, okay, I'll clean myself up because I love my God. Often play, oftentimes from a, from, a, from a good place, we say, because I love my God, because I know that he's holy, because I know that he's loving, because I know that he's righteous, because I know how evil I am, I'm going to work and make myself less evil before I come before him. And that's not how that works. That's completely missing what our God wants us to do. Now, on the other hand, it's also easy to understand all of the above and to say, I understand who God is. I understand how wicked I am. I understand how crooked my heart is before my God. And I understand that I need to come to him in repentance with a humble heart. And we completely also miss out on everything that David just said. Because we kind of, oftentimes, we kind of leave the gospel there, right? We just kind of stop the gospel at justification, and we're like, that's it, we're done. And we completely forget about our path of sanctification. Uh, That same Sunday school teacher, it was so funny, it was like years ago, and I still remember it. The way that he explained it, and it clicked for everybody, is he was like, uh, sanctification, just think about it as saintification. It's the process of you becoming a saint. And oftentimes, we focus so much on like, okay, I, I want to be justified before God. I don't want to go to hell that we miss out on everything that our God has for us here in this life. We forget about all the church community that he has for us. We forget about the people that he has for us to reach. We forget about the transgressors that need to be taught his ways. We forget to sing aloud of God's righteousness. We forget to build up his church. We forget to constantly keep coming back to him, to constantly produce fruit. 
And so it's important that while we understand that our fruit is not necessary to come to our God, true biblical repentance will produce fruit. And so if you find yourself not naturally, you know, producing fruit, if you find yourself saying, man, I don't really, uh, you know, there's not praise coming out of my heart. There's not, I, I don't feel any need to spend time with other Christians. I don't feel any need to dive into God's word. I don't feel any need to constantly keep going to my God. I mean, I, I thought I was fine. I thought I, I, I repented. I had my fire insurance. It's time to ask yourself why. Could it be that maybe you had a less than good understanding of any of the things we talked about today? Could it be that maybe instead of actually coming to God the way that you should, maybe you tried coming to God on your own terms? Because at the end of the day, God is the one that sets the terms. And at the end of the day, salvation is a free gift, right? Part of the reason why David says here, right, and, and, and a few of the things that he says, well, he's in the midst of crying out to his God, asking for forgiveness. He talks about not just being cleansed from his sin, but he talks about being, uh, the joy of his salvation being, being brought back to him. He talks about you know, being able to happily do all these things we talked about, teaching transgressors, to be able to sing, to be able to, to help build up the temple. He talks about all of these things with joy. And so what's important is that we understand that whether you have never come to Christ in the first place, whether you thought that you were fine because of your own righteousness and your own works, you're here today. You know, uh, There's no reason why you should wait another day, another hour, another minute to come to Christ, especially if you understood the things that we talked about today. If you understand who God is, who you are, what your sin is, and if maybe you've been feeling discouraged, or you know that you've been saved, you know, maybe you remember even to the second, right, the scene uh, uh, of the church or wherever you were where you got saved, but maybe you felt that your heart just hasn't been into worshiping your God lately. Maybe you felt as though there's sins from your past that keep coming back to grapple with you. Maybe there's things that you thought you overcame and then you didn't. I need you to know that if you could overcome it on your own, you wouldn't, have fallen to, you wouldn't have fallen to it in the first place. If you could do it without God, you wouldn't be in the situation that you are right now. And so it's important that, especially having been saved, that you don't forget your first love. And that you go back to your God, ask for forgiveness again, ask for Him, not just to forgive you, not just to create a clean heart in you, but to restore to you the joy of your salvation. Um, and so as the band comes up, uh, if I can have... Uh, uh, you guys, just uh, close your eyes and, and bow your heads for a second. Um, everything that we talked about today, uh, praise God, because our God is righteous and loving, we can have as a free gift. He sent His one and only Son to live the life that you and I could not live. He sent His one and only Son who would not kata, who would not miss the mark of perfection, and who would instead make that mark on your behalf. And so, if you're someone that maybe uh, hasn't actually repented before God, maybe if you're someone that hasn't really understood who our God is, you've never given your life to Christ, uh, and you want to do so today, if you'll uh, raise your hand, I would love to pray for you. And if you're someone who maybe has given their life to Christ, but maybe you find yourself struggling uh, with sin lately, you find yourself uh, really not coming back to your first love the way that you know you should be, uh, if you'll raise your hand as well, I'd love to pray for you. Alright, and so... uh, with that, let's go to God together in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every single person listening. Lord God, I know how much they love you. Uh, their love for you as a parent and the way that they uh, treat me and the way they treat Victoria and the way we treat one another. But I beg you, dear God, uh, to just continually convict each and every single one of us of our sin. 
Uh, for those uh, that are not saved, Lord God, that maybe haven't even believed in you up until this point, I beg you, please just convict them, Father, uh, and just bring them to repentance. And for all those of us who maybe are struggling in our walk with you, Lord God, uh, we beg you once again, just pick us up, restore to us the joy of our salvation, and just uh, help us along this path of sanctification you've laid out before us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.